Some of you know I got COVID about a month ago. And uh, Thursday, I just finished my sermon. And I started feeling sick. I was like, wait a second. I can't be doing this again. So I got my home COVID test and came back negative. And uh, <laughs> I have a little cold. So I got a little sore throat today, challenging there, but uh, I think we'll make it through. A couple of shameless announcements before we start. To our extreme students, don't forget to get signed up for our Spring Hill Retreat, which is coming just two weeks. Two weeks from now, some of us will be there at Spring Hill. Also, this is one for the parents, and I want all parents to hear this all the way down to elementary grades. We're going to have a parent seminar on Friday, February 4th, a Friday night, parent seminar on sexuality and identity issues. Um, Our goal is to equip you as parents to help you navigate your kids through these difficult issues. So February 4th, put it on your calendars. If you have five-year-olds, I would highly recommend you come to this uh, seminar. So uh, very important coming up. Let's go to prayer before we dive into God's word today. Father, thank you so much for this, another chance to be together with your family. Thank you for the new year. And that it uh, gives us another opportunity to look at what we've been doing and how we've been living and to maybe make some adjustments. Lord, I know there are people here today that are carrying burdens of many different kinds. Lord, help us to give those over to you today, this year. We want to walk as children of the light. We want to shine like lights for you in this world. We pray that you would, by your spirit, give us the faith and the strength that we need to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If I say the words status quo, does that strike you as a positive or a negative thing? Status quo, of course, refers to or is defined as the current state of things. The current state of things. I, for one, in most situations, like the status quo. 
It helps me to manage my expectations and limits the number of negative surprises I have in my life. Whether you like the status quo or don't like it, I think most of us would agree that there's not a lot of status quo in our culture these days. Maybe it's just a sign of me getting older, but it seems like things have been changing at an accelerating pace in our world, probably since about the time of the emergence of the internet. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. I remember when I first saw that happening, how surreal it felt. As I watched that, what was happening there, my thoughts went to the country of Haiti, which I've visited a couple of times, and I thought, this is the kind of thing that happens in Haiti, not in the United States. Add to that some of the supply chain issues, policing issues, shortages caused by COVID, and we're getting just a little taste of what it's like to live in some of the less privileged countries of the world. And then there's all the redefining that seems to be going on. The list of things that we've redefined in my lifetime is staggering. And most of it has happened in the last 10 years. We've redefined when life begins. We've redefined marriage. We've redefined identity. We've redefined social interaction through social media. We've redefined money with cryptocurrencies. Lately, we've even redefined what it means to go to work with so many people working from home. I think you could also argue that we've redefined what it means to be a good person. Nowadays, a good person is someone who's simply tolerant of others' views. That makes you a good person. Our schools used to be safe places where we could send our kids and trust that they're getting a good education. Now many have abandoned our public schools because of the curriculum changes Or, because of the lurking question of which school will be the next one on the long list of school shootings, which just recently came eminently to Michigan. I think it's reasonable to say we live in a whacked out world. And to me, the craziest thing of all is the radical differences of opinion that divide us on so many of these issues. If only we had a source of truth that was eternal. Truth that was for all time, for everyone, whether you're a baby boomer like me, a millennial, or Gen Z. 
We need truth that is for all time, for everyone, everywhere. I like steadiness, dependability, trustworthiness, and I know where to find those things when I need them. The unchanging, eternal, promise-filled word of God. 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25 says, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. It's going to be a little different sermon today. Get ready, because we're going to be jumping around to a lot of Bible verses today. I don't necessarily suggest that you try to look them all up. If you're a note taker, you might want to take note of the references. I don't know. I don't know if it's possible to look up too many Bible verses in a sermon, but we're going to maybe test that today. But as we do, we will be focusing on truths and promises that we can depend on To help us keep a kingdom focus in a whacked out world. 2 Peter 1.4 says, Through these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. So that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world on account of lust. It says there that through his promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. To partake is to experience. This verse is telling us that one way in which we can experience God and keep a kingdom focus in the midst of the corruption that's in the world is through the promises of God. So let's take a look at some of the promises and truths in Scripture that sustain us through challenging times. Now, I will tell you there is no such thing as a complete list of these, unless you use the whole Bible, or a proper order for these. But rather, I'm just sharing today promises that encourage me and give me hope. First, God is not surprised by any world developments. Was God surprised by the COVID pandemic, the legalization of gay marriage, the Taliban seizing control of the country of Afghanistan, what you did last week when no one was looking? Our God is omniscient. He knows everything. Nothing happens in this world that's a surprise to him or out of his control. Hear what the scripture says. Job 40 or 28, 24. For he looks throughout the whole earth and sees everything under the heavens. 
Isaiah 40, 28. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Psalm 147, 5. Great is our Lord and abundant in strength. His understanding is infinite. Our lives can feel out of control at times. But rest assured that the one who holds you in the palm of his hand, as the scripture says, is fully aware, fully in control, and fully able. As their students would say, he's got this. Number two, all things work together for good. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Yeah, stuff happens. But as believers, we can trust that God is working a master plan. We can't see the end. And so the intermediate steps may not always make sense to us. But the promise that we have is not that everything will work out exactly the way we want it to, but rather it will work together for good. Big picture good. Good that goes beyond just you and your comforts and desires. Good that makes you better. Good that makes the world better. And most importantly, good that brings glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, truth will set you free. John 8, 31 and 32 says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. First Peter 5, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. There's great freedom in knowing that we stand up for absolute truth even at a time when we may be labeled as a hater for doing so. Many of you will remember our former pastor, Pastor Jay, used to often reference scriptures and say something to the effect of, I don't necessarily like this, or wouldn't have said it this way, but that doesn't matter. God said it, and that's the way it is. He, was, he, he referenced that he, it wasn't his ideas he was speaking, but God's as he preached the word, as all preachers should. We are God's ambassadors, representing him in this world, but it's his truth, not ours. 
when I add my own ideas or you add your own ideas, then we start to walk on shaky ground. Let's be people who boldly proclaim his truth from his word. Number four, I am with you always, even to the end of this age. Matthew 28, 20. It's interesting how Jesus said, even to the end of this age. As if to say, you know, it's going to get bad at the end. But even then, I'll be with you. And as believers, we're never alone. He's always with us. The Holy Spirit is present with us to encourage us, to counsel us, to correct us, to strengthen us. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Number five. This world is not our home. I'm a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. And we are just passing through. I think maybe one of the primary purposes of the various trials of life, whether they be physical, emotional, or spiritual, is to turn our hearts away from the affections of this world and turn them wholly to God and our eternal home in heaven. You may have heard me use this quote before. I love it. D.L. Moody. Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. Heaven is my home. And this world has lost its grip on me. Number six, Jesus is coming back. Matthew 24, 30. Then will appear in the heaven, in heaven, the sign of the son of man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Then Titus 2, 12 and 13. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day. When the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ will be revealed. In the words of another preacher, 
I heard somewhere a little while back. We know the end of the story. Spoiler alert. Say it with me. Jesus wins. At our house, we just finished watching what I consider the greatest series of movies ever made. The Lord of the Rings. The last two movies of the, ser- of the three-part series rank one and two on my list of top movies ever. In the second movie in the series, The Twin Towers, Frodo, the main character, grows weary of carrying the burden of the evil ring which has fallen upon him to take to the only place where it can be destroyed. He carries it on a string around his neck. But the ring is evil and it's getting to him. Being so close to it all the time begins to affect his thoughts, his attitude. It even physically weighs on him. Sounds a bit like us as believers living in this world under the reign of the ruler of this world. But Frodo's best friend Sam offers these words of encouragement. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered. Full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come. And when the sun shines out, it will shine the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. Lots of chances of turning back. Only they didn't. They kept going. The Bible calls that perseverance. Matthew 24, 13. But the one who perseveres to the end will be saved. I've noticed that a lot of people have seemingly turned back during COVID. Definitely on the church, if not also on Jesus. A recent Barna study shows church attendance 30 to 50% lower 
than before the pandemic. So I want to finish up today by looking at some keys to persevering as we all navigate our way through this whacked out world. The first key to persevering is claiming those promises of scripture. We've already looked at a bunch of these, so I add only the words of 1 Corinthians 120, reminding you that for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Number two, if you want to persevere through these difficult times, surround yourself with believers who will spur you on. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, one of the best things about the holidays is that it provides excuses for us to get together with people we love. We had a great jam Christmas party this year. We had a great extreme Christmas party this year. It was great to be together. And then we had about 25 youth volunteers at our house for a Christmas dessert gathering. I'm blessed as your youth pastor to work with so many great volunteers. They spur me on. And I pray that we will spur each other on as we work side by side for the sake of the gospel in 2022. Number three, key to persevering, focusing on the unseen and the eternal. Some people call it eternal perspective. The absence of eternal perspective makes you vulnerable to turning back. Scripture says, though, out, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. And then fourth, key to persevering through these difficult times is to persevere in prayer. Colossians 4.2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. One day a small boy was playing and digging in his sand pit when he discovered in there a large rock. 
He carefully dug around it and with a huge effort, rolled it to the edge of his sand pit. But no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't get the rock over the little wall. He struggled and struggled to lift it over, but it just rolled back. Finally, he burst into tears. And all this time, his father had been watching from the window. And suddenly, he appeared next to the little boy. Son, he said, why didn't you use all the strength you had available? I did, Daddy. I used every bit of strength I had. No, you didn't, son. You didn't use all your strength. You didn't ask me. Then his father bent down and lifted the rock over the wall. We persevere in prayer to persevere in life and faith. I recently started playing ping pong again after not playing for a while. Now, I'm not a great ping pong player, but I can hold my own. When you play ping pong, there are so many things you have to consider as you're playing. The speed of the ball, the location, direction of the ball, and spin of the ball. Not only whether it's there's spin on it or not, but is it top spin or back spin? So I've been playing with Jeff Adamick lately. Are you here, Jeff? Jeff's not here today. Let me just say, he's been toying with me. <laughs> By mixing up different spins. Sometimes I feel helpless. I, you know, one shot goes into the net, the next one soars off the far off the table because I'm not interpreting the spin right. I fail to properly discern how I need to hit the ball in response to his spins. What I need is a keen focus on the ball to see how that spin's coming at me. In a similar way, we may feel helpless at times. Overwhelmed by the wackiness of the world that we live in. The proper Christian response to that is to focus on the promises of God and on his son, Jesus Christ. The scripture tells us we should fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You've got three choices of what to do with your eyes. You can keep them down. Out or up. When our eyes are down, our focus is on, woe is me. I screwed up again. I'm never going to get it right. When our eyes are out, we need to be careful not to become overwhelmed by the wackiness we see in the world. But when our eyes are up, fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, 
then he is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. Let's pray together. Jesus, I pray that every one of us would turn our focus to you in 2022. That we would look to you and look to your word for the promises that it contains, the truths that it contains that sustain us in this crazy world. Lord, I pray for each person here that 2022 would be a year of growth, a year in which they see you glorified in their lives as they focus on you and seek you. I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.